0: Welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. As always, I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com. That is the place where you can find anything to do with any kind of sports in Colorado as an entire state, whether it's preps, whether it's collegiate sports, whether it's professional sports, you're going to see a whole lot more preps coming. There's already a tons of stuff up there from the Buffs win over Nebraska up in Boulder. You're going to see some Rockies conversations. There is a ton of Broncos stuff. And as you guys know, I will be handling all things Nuggets. So today I'm going to dive into a lot about FIBA World Cup once again. Now that Serbia has just finished their last game against Spain, they are now getting ready to go into the quarterfinals for the FIBA World Cup and start the bracket portion of this tournament. So... We'll talk about Serbia's loss to Spain. We'll talk about why Serbia is playing the way that they are. Um, and I don't mean overall. I mean specifically against uh, Spain in addition to how they're u- utilizing Nikola Jokic. Um, also, I want to talk about their roster construction a little bit and why I'm so frustrated with it. And then we'll finish the podcast by explaining what is coming next for the rest of the FIBA World Cup as it pertains to all Nuggets involved. Mason Plumlee and the USA team, Juancho Hernan Gomez and the Spanish national team, and then Nikola Jokic and the Serbian national team. We'll talk about the bracket, which teams have already locked themselves into the bracket, which teams are on the bubble, what needs to happen for each team to get in, who Serbia is going to play, who USA is going to play, who Spain is going to play, all of that good stuff. Before we go any further though, I first have to give some love to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. Without them, the podcast would sound much, much more mediocre than it actually does. For any audio production needs that you can conceivably think of, make sure to go reach out to Regulators Regime on Instagram and Rod Simba on Instagram. That's R O D S Y M B A. Those guys are the best. I absolutely adore working with them, and I'm extremely thankful to have them in this Denver Nuggets Daily family to make this podcast more than it was. In addition to that, Everything from Terrapin Care Station is phenomenal for any of your cannabis goods in the Denver metro area. Terrapin Care Station is the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Before we go any further, here is a quick word from Terrapin Care Station. So to start out this podcast, I just want to talk about the Serbia vs. Spain game that had already happened this morning. By the end of it, Spain had beaten Serbia 81-69 to to break Serbia's 15-game winning streak. Uh, There was a lot to break down from this game. A couple things very quickly from just the Spanish national team side of the ball. I don't want to go too long on Spain's team just because there's a lot more interesting narratives to talk about on Serbia's side. But real quick, the backcourt combination that the Spanish national team has is absurd. First of all... Ricky Rubio, and shouts Justin Rowan for this, which is the first time I've ever said that, I think. I don't think I've ever actually appreciated anything Justin Rowan has ever done before, despite the fact that I love that guy. But, regardless of that, he made the comparison that Ricky Rubio becomes Chris Paul in FIBA play, and I can't help but agree with him. Ricky Rubio becomes an automatic finisher at the rim. He becomes a very consistent jump shooter. His defense is out of this world, and as usual, his playmaking is as precise and surgical as it gets. Ricky Rubio is just absolutely a stud in international play, probably because he's been doing it since he was 14 years old. So, Ricky Rubio was just a menace. His shooting statistics weren't out of this world in this game. He was 5 of 13 from the field, but 19 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists with only 1 turnover and a plus 16, that is a hell of a game in 25 minutes of action. And again, It's not just Ricky Rubio, but when Ricky Rubio goes to the bench and Sergio Lowell comes in for him, you have no falloff. Sergio Lowell is the Stephen Curry-type player in the ACB League where he plays for Real Madrid. He is a freakishly good three-point shooter. He is a very smart passer, and between the two of them, there is just no falloff. There is no no let-up from the backcourt play of Spain. Ricky Rubio hands the ball straight up to Sergio Lowell, and Ricky Rubio goes to the bench, and it just keeps happening. And that's why, in my opinion, that second quarter was so disastrous for Serbia. I'll talk a little bit more about that because I want to talk about why Serbia is playing badly and the things that I am frustrated about when watching them in the next segment of the show, but overall... There is just nothing right now that, th- that the Spanish national team can't do if they go small against Serbia. And that's what happened. In that second quarter, I believe, let me see here. Yeah, it was 32-17 to the Serbians lost the second quarter. And so much of that was because Sergio Lowell and the bench unit were just running the Serbians up and down the floor when they were playing too big. Again, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But that backcourt play of Spain is real. And it could potentially lead them to that gold medal contention because now that the Spanish national team won this game against Serbia they are on the opposite side of the bracket from team USA so Serbia or um, Spain suddenly has a very strong chance to get themselves to that gold medal game obviously Walter Hernan Gomez Denver Nuggets small forward played in this game against Nikola Jokic and the Serbian national team wasn't really, he wasn't crazy impactful. Uh, three points, four rebounds, one assist, two turnovers, one block. Uh, he was a plus four in 19 minutes of action. Just really didn't get in the way. That's all it was. I, I do want to talk about this Wancho Hernan Gomez overall for the entire tournament. I do feel that Wancho has had a decently strong tournament. He's not jumping off the page. There's nothing about his play that you're like, wow, that guy has... Clearly taken steps forward, but overall, he's been good. In the first five World Cup games, Wancho is shooting 57.6% from the field. He's 19 of 33, and he's 5 of 13 from three-point range. Those numbers are strong. I mean, he could be a little bit better from three just because he's had so many open looks, but... There is nothing to scoff at 38.5% from 3 on 13 shots. In addition to that, he's got 31 rebounds already in 5 games, which gives him 6.2 boards a game. Um, Hasn't turned the ball over an insane amount only once a game. He's been overall a very productive player. Um, Beyond the stats, though, I think the most important part about Juancho Hernan Gomez's game so far in the World Cup is that he's looked extremely mobile. He's looked healthy. And this is a guy who had that core muscle surgery out in Philly like the rest of the Nuggets team has basically had. Uh, This past offseason, he already looks extremely mobile. I mean, you remember the 360 dunk he had in exhibition play. He's getting up and down the court very quickly. He's defended better than he defended last year at the NBA level. So overall... I'd say, I'd say it's been a very productive showing for Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, moving off of Spain, though, let's talk about the Sp- the Serbian national team and how things kind of fell apart in this game against Spain. First off, it was the second quarter. Um, I spoke a little bit about this earlier, talking about the backcourt of Spain, but when you lose a second quarter, 32-17, to 17, it is going to just be an absolute abject disaster. Um, not only that, but in addition to that just completely complete demolition of the Serbian team. Nikola Jokic also got ejected in the, in the second quarter and this is my biggest issue with what had happened in this Serbian or the Serbia versus Spain game. First of all, I am completely aware that Nikola Jokic did get fouled on the play that he argued. I am completely aware that his flagrant 1 seemed pretty light originally. Beyond those two facts, Nikola Jokic absolutely has to keep his emotions in check. When he got doubled and got hit on the wrist by Marc Gasol and they did not call the foul, Nikola Jokic went ballistic on that official. There were some very choice swear words that were very easy to read his lips on saying to the official. And considering that he had already gotten the flagrant one or the FIBA variation of it, I can't remember the term that they used for their flagrant one, Unnecessary foul or whatever it is. In addition to that, this was the toughest opponent Serbia had faced. Serbia's 15 game winning streak was on the line. And not only that, but being number one in Group J would have been a very, very big thing for Serbia. All of those things are now gone out of the window because Nikola Jokic got tossed in the second quarter of this game. They had, they would have had a much better opportunity to win this game if he was in it. Because this was a one-point game for most of the—or a one a single-digit game. I'm sorry that I can't speak up enough since 6 a.m. There's not enough coffee in me yet. But this was a single-digits game. In the fourth quarter without Nikola Jokic, despite the fact that that Serbia only finished with three made three-pointers. If Nikola Jokic is in this game, Serbia has a very good chance to come away with it, but because he was not, they were unable to win it. So now, Serbia's 15-game winning streak is over. Their confidence is lower than it was. Nikola Jokic clearly was so frustrated that he got himself thrown out of the game, and they lost their toughest competition to Spain in a very, very lackluster way. In addition to that, if Serbia managed to win the Group J, J, they would have been on the opposite end of the USA team in the bracket. As of right now, Serbia, Argentina, the USA team, and then one of Australia or France is on one side of the bracket. If Serbia would have beaten Spain, they would have been on the opposite side of the bracket and would not have seen Team USA until the finals. Now they're probably going to have to face them in the semifinals if they can get past Argentina, who has been very, very strong behind Luis Scola and Facundo Capazzo. So those that that's a big loss, and that needs to be put. Some of the blame needs to be on Nikola Jokic's shoulders. There was no reason for him to get thrown from this game. Alright, I'm not going to continue to harp on this anymore. I'm going to move forward. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is absolutely awesome. What a fearless scorer, man. Like I've talked about this on on this podcast before, and I've, I've used the word fearless when talking about him multiple times, but it's the only term that comes into my brain. There were multiple times against Spain where he missed a shot, followed his own shot, got the rebound as if he was passing to himself off of the rim, and then hit the shot immediately after. The guy has no fear. Absolutely no fear when it comes to doing this. And honestly, in my opinion, Jamal Murray has so much to learn from how from how Bogdan Bogdanovich plays basketball. This is not to say that Jamal Murray is a worse player or anything like that. I'm not trying to make comparisons. I am talking specifically about the style of play and where he gets his shots. Whenever a defender goes under the screen on Bogdan Bogdanovich, he is pulling up. Every single time he has a sliver of daylight, he does not hesitate. That kind of fearlessness means that suddenly... All of the attention, even if he doesn't deserve it, is suddenly on Bogdan Bogdanovich. When you're that far away from the from the rim, when you're that lethal of a three-point shooter and you have that much of a quick trigger, defenses have to stretch out so much further than they have with Jamal Murray so far. Jamal Murray loves to pass up the open three when a defender goes under a screen so that he can dribble into a long mid-range two and it's infuriating. If he finally started you know, changing his sol- shot selection a little bit here and there and stop passing up great shots for tough shots. It's going to make Jamal Murray's life so much easier and watching Bogdan Bogdanovic this tournament, it has absolutely shown the recipe for how Jamal Murray should be playing. Not only that, I would make the argument that Bogdan Bogdanovic has arguably been Serbia's best player so far throughout the tournament. So, what a tournament it has been for him. I have Utterly enjoyed every second I have watched of Bogdan Bogdanovich on the floor. And the only reason Serbia had a chance going to the fourth quarter of this game was because he went off. Another big reason that Serbia lost this game was Nemanja Bielica was really bad. And when I say really bad, I mean a disaster in this game. First of all, he was 0-5 of 5 from the field and 0-4 of 4 from three. He had three rebounds. One assist, three fouls, two turnovers, and was a tied-for-team-worst minus 10 in plus-minus for this game. He missed every open shot he had. He had multiple unforced turnovers that led to run-out fast-break buckets for Spain. He was unable to grab rebounds. He looked completely out of place on the perimeter as an offensive player, and defensively, he just could not keep anybody in front of him. This was probably the worst game he has played in quite a long time, whether it's NBA ball or whether it's FIBA ball like we're talking about right now, but he needs to be better. He absolutely has to be better, and I'll talk about how I think he can improve in the next segment. Uh, One last thing, I want to give a shout out one last time to Bogdan Mogdanovich, who had 26 points on 9 of 14 shooting to go with. 10 rebounds and 6 assists while only turning the ball over one time in this game. What a fantastic game from Bogdan. I loved watching him play. Um, But yes, regardless of that, Serbia still lost. So why, is Serbia lo- why did Serbia lose? What is it that they're doing wrong schematically that has allowed them to lose this game? And I think you have to start with the fact that Nikola Jokic is playing just an absurd amount of power forward, and this is something that is like I understand the roster construction of having a ton of centers on this roster, making it difficult. But this is wrong. The, the, I mean, Nikola Jokic is their best player. You have to play to his strengths because right now they're trying to play Boban Marjanovic. They're trying to play Miroslav Ronald They're trying to play Nikola Medelunatov. I'm sorry. It's been a long time. All of these players are trying to play center right now, which is pushing Nikola Jokic completely away from the from the uh, from the rim, and he's essentially become a spot up power forward in the corner. I can't I can't even count the amount of times that Nikola Jokic was just thrown in the corner as a decoy in this game in the first quarter. It was absolutely infuriating to watch, just from a basketball perspective. I'm not even out here rooting to get Nikola Jokic touches. It just doesn't make any sense to me that you would have a player who would was the first-team All-NBA center in the league last year and also arguably with the greatest passing big man that has ever touched a basketball and you're playing him at power forward and you're not playing through him and you're relegating him to being a screener, a decoy, or an offensive rebounder. I just don't get the thinking behind it. And then to double down on it, they just for some reason the Serbian head coach just wanted so badly to play supersized against Spain and it was absolutely the death of them. Again, I keep going back to that second quarter, but when you lose a second quarter 32 to 17 and you don't change anything and you don't alter your team throughout that second quarter and just let it continually happen, I'm going to have qualms with that. Beelitsa is playing small forward. Jokic was playing power forward, and then a mix of Boban and Milanit I cannot speak, Um, and Radujica were all in there playing center instead of Nikola. So that led to this supersized lineup against a Victor Claver at center lineup for the Spanish national team, which just absolutely ran and outshot the Serbian team out of this game. Sergio Lull went nuts, they were getting foul calls, they were actually out-rebounding Sergio. Serbia despite how much bigger Serbia was and it just fell apart. Everything that Serbia did in that second quarter was just wrong and and it and eventually of course Nikola Jokic getting thrown out of the game did not help anything. So that was frustrating. I don't understand why they're playing that big. They need less Nikola Jokic at the 4, they need less Radovic and they need less Boban. Full stop, in my opinion. You need to get two of these centers in a way much lower usage type role, much less minutes, and find a way to put Nikola Jokic at center. He is the best center in the NBA right now, uh, uh, You know, depending on how you feel about Joel Embiid, and they're playing him at power forward and FIBA. I just, it's starting to get to the point to where I am just so frustrated and I have no idea why this is happening. I think they need to play Bielitsa at the 4 way more often. Obviously, Nikola Jokic at the 5 more often. And there's two lineups I want to see more of. I want to see more Stefan Jovic, Bogdan Bogdanovic, uh, Marco Guderic. Nemanja Bialica and Nikola Jokic together as a five. You have a defensive-minded, extremely smart point guard in Jovic. You got just the elite shooting and scoring of Bogdanovic. You got Guderich filling in at small forward. He can hit threes. He can defend a little bit. He can do a little bit of everything. Bialica is no longer playing out of position and is now taking advantage of a mismatch at the four. And Nikola Jokic is playing in his actual position position at center. So that's that just makes so much more sense to me. Uh, you could play Vladimir Lucic as well at small forward. He is a, probably a little bit better of a defender than Guderic, but a little bit less of an upside in my opinion. But they need to find a way to get this Serbian team to play to be able to match up with smaller teams. Because Argentina, they're going to go small. They're going to play Luis Scola at the 5, and they're going to play Facundo Campazzo at the 1, and they are going to run them, just like Spain did. Because if I was any team trying to play Serbia, I am following the exact... Uh, game plan that Spain used against Serbia because clearly it worked that is to say of course if for some reason Serbia doesn't have Nikola Jokic get ejected and they hit more than three of their 19 threes this game is a different conversation but still this is the game plan that worked and I would bet on teams using it to try to eventually overcome the Serbian national team All right, I'm going to take a quick break, come back, and we will finish up the show by explaining the rest of the bracket that is coming and how it's going to work for the FIBA World Cup and then talk about Serbia's potential path to a gold medal if they can get that far. Be back in one second. Finally, after about a month and change of FIBA World Cup play, the quarterfinals and gold medal contention is here. The way the FIBA World Cup breaks down is there are four groups, I, J, K, and L, and two teams from each group will make it to the quarterfinals. Four groups, two teams from each, eight quarterfinalists competing for the gold medal. As of right now, seven teams have locked in their spot in the quarterfinals. Team USA, Serbia, Spain, Poland, Argentina, France, and Australia. That leaves three more teams fighting for their way to be the last team to make it into the quarterfinals. Those three teams are the Czech Republic, Brazil, and Greece. As things stand, everyone pretty much knows where they're going to be other than Australia and France. Those two teams will play on Monday morning. In addition to the Czech Republic, Brazil, and Greece, and Team USA, to figure out what side of the bracket they are going to end up on. So technically, USA has not officially locked themselves into the one, into the one seat in their own group, but there could. But it's very unrealistic that they'll fall out of it. So. When looking at this before looking at the bubble teams, let's just talk about who's going to play who in that semi or in that quarterfinal round. So Serbia on Tuesday morning will be taking on Facundo Campazzo, Luis Scola and the Argentinian national team. In addition to that, Spain will take on Poland. Beyond those two games, those are the only two games that are locked in. The USA team will take on the loser of Australia and France. And then the winner of Australia and France will take on one of the Czech Republic, Brazil, or Greece. I know that's a lot. I know it's kind of a long-winded way to kind of break down the bracket. The idea is, though, is that whoever wins against France or Australia will end up on... The opposite side of Team USA. So that is a very important game going into tomorrow. In addition to that, the loser of that game will play one of the Czech Republic, Brazil, or Greece. This is where things start to get confusing because there could be quite a bit of ties and things like that. The overall idea, the best way to kind of get an idea of how this could break out is that if Greece wants to make it, they need to beat the Czech Republic and they need USA to beat Brazil. If that happens, in all likelihood, Greece will will end up being the eighth team in the quarterfinals. For Brazil to be the eighth team they have to beat Team USA, and the Greece team needs to beat the Czech Republic. If the Czech Republic want to be the eighth team they need to beat Greece, and USA needs to beat Brazil. So looking at this as it currently stands, it looks like Greece is going to eventually be the team to be the 8th and final quarterfinalists to go into gold medal contention. They should beat the Czech Republic, and USA should beat Brazil. If one of those things doesn't happen, it would likely be Greece losing to the Czech Republic. And that, in turn, would just end up being uh, the Czech Republic would move on at that point. So, it's <coughs> the the least likely outcome is that Brazil makes it. Because Brazil has to beat the USA team, which seems extremely far-fetched at best. And in addition to that, Greece would then have to beat the um czech republic so that's kind of how it's going to break down it seems like greece is going to get it and if greece doesn't it looks like the czech republic will brazil has the worst opportunity to be able to try to make it to that quarterfinal round so let's live in the world in which greece makes it if greece makes it you suddenly have serbia and argentina USA versus one of Australia and France, and then Greece versus one of Australia and France, and Spain versus Poland. On one end of the bracket, you would have either Serbia or Argentina taking on either USA or Australia or France. On the other end of the, of the bracket, you would have Spain versus Poland. Whoever wins that game would advance to take on either Greece or Australia or France. So that's kind of how you're looking at it going to the semifinals. So if Serbia is to win, Gold medal, they have to beat Argentina in two days, they then have to beat the USA team, and then they have to beat one of Spain, Poland, Australia, France, or Greece to get two uh, in the actual finals to win. That sets up a potential rematch between Serbia and Spain to eventually find out who gets gold in the FIBA World Cup. What's so funny about this is that when I did the Locked On NBA podcast with Adam Mates, probably 10 days ago or whatever it was, he literally called a Serbia vs. Spain finals where Spain wins. And that is fully on the table now, which I find absolutely hysterical. So... That's kind of where it's at. I know that's a lot of speculation. After tomorrow, after Monday morning, we will have a much better idea. It'll be completely finished. We will know who's playing who, who's playing who, when, and what side of the bracket everybody is on, and that'll make things much more interesting. But despite the fact that Serbia lost to Spain, does not mean that they are, you know, in any in any way in jeopardy of losing in the quarterfinals. Argentina is better than Poland. Don't get me wrong. And being on the same bracket or the same side of the bracket as Team USA is not the best possible situation, but it's nothing that Serbia cannot handle. It's going to be very interesting to see how these guys bounce back. I cannot wait to see what happens, but. Until tomorrow, that is all I got from you from the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and letting me rant and rave about FIBA World Cup Basketball. I have enjoyed it immensely, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the games quite a bit as well. Make sure to go subscribe, like, comment, share this podcast everywhere. Tell your friends about it. Leave me a five-star review. Subscribe and unsubscribe. I don't care. Support the podcast however you can. It means the world to me. Um, and again, thank you guys very much. This has been the the Denver Nuggets daily podcast powered by mile high sports with the presenting sponsor of terrapin care station with music by the regulators production group until next time talk to you guys later